in three, two, one. Looking to generate more leads? Whether it's blog posts, social media, or email campaigns, learn to leverage these tools effectively to reach hundreds of new prospects every week without spending hours online searching for the right people to connect with. Learn how to make your content a priority and keep up on trends and how often you need to adjust your strategies. Join me now for my conversation with social media expert, Jessica Zeitz. Hi, Jessica. Welcome to the program. We're glad to have you. Hi, thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. Now, where are we talking to you from today? I'm actually coming to you from Barranquilla, Colombia. Colombia? Are you just down there visiting or is that home now? Well, we're trying to make it home. I have the visa valid until December 13, 2023, and we're hoping to renew it for another three years. So yeah, that would be nice, but I'm still going to be a Canadian citizen. You're from Montreal area originally. Yeah, we're from the same place originally. So it's all good. Yeah. Well, awesome. That's exciting to be able to go travel and work. And obviously your work allows you to do that. I'm interested in this particular topic today because we were talking about marketing. We're talking about copywriting. We're going to talk about messaging. We're going to talk about the cadence of that messaging, what works, what doesn't, what tools to use, what shouldn't we do and what should we avoid? I'm excited to have you here to talk about that because you represent a big part of the marketplace. But let's start with just a little background. When we look at your resume, you basically have been doing writing and things since day one. So you obviously had an interest in this, but give us a little background on how you got to where you are and how you founded Copypot. Yeah, for sure. I'd love to. So yeah, I've been into writing. I think my aunt got me a journal when I was eight years old and I started journaling every day. And then when I was 12, I got invited to a young authors conference. So it was always a passion and something I really love to do. But back then, I didn't really understand how you can make money off of it. I thought it was just, oh, you have to become a best-selling author or you can't make money writing. So I never really pursued it for a long time. Then I got into the tech industry in 2015, and I really loved the job there, but it was a nine to five. And ever since I could remember, I was not really a fan. of. I would just be in school and think about the future and be, oh, but I don't want my future to be in office. And I started doing all kinds of silly things. My parents would always have to stop me from getting into scams because I was like, oh, I'm going to sell knives door to door because it's not nine to five. Or like, oh, I'm going to become an investor and like get involved with MLMs, whatever, because I just really didn't want nine to five. And then I worked in that nine to five for 11 months and I had the opportunity to move to Thailand to teach English there. So I jumped on it and I quit my nine to five, sold my car, left my house, everything, moved to Thailand, was teaching for six months. Turns out I'm a really horrible teacher and it's not a passion of mine. Well, I like teaching things that I know, but teaching English was difficult because I didn't speak any Thai and the kids don't speak any English. So it's not even like you have the option to default into the common language to explain something. So it was like very stressful, very scary. And I just wasn't loving it. But I also had a lot of time on my hands. I was living in a small rural village. They'd never seen a white person before. I was like super famous when I landed, which was really shocking to me. And also I kind of disappointed them because they're like, but you're not tall and you're not blonde and you don't have blue eyes. Yeah, not what you think I am. That exactly. Yeah. And so I started Googling how I could make money online because the visa that I had in Thailand only permitted me to be a teacher and the jobs there I don't want to take any jobs away from locals for one. And also, obviously, the pay isn't going to be sustainable for someone that is planning to go back to Canada. So I got on Upwork in 2016 and I just made a profile and I applied to a few jobs. And I got the first job that I applied for, which was to write a thousand word blog article and they were going to pay $10. So now I would never do a thousand words for under $200. But at the time, I was like, oh my gosh, this works. This is crazy. I can't believe this worked. So I wrote the article. They paid me the money in my bank account. I was so shocked. And then from there, I just got obsessed. 
And luckily, Thailand is a digital nomad capital. And then I traveled all of Southeast, well, not all, but I traveled a large part of Southeast Asia for the next six months after my contract was done. So I was in Bali, Vietnam, Malaysia, all over. And I would just try to attend any workshop, any conference that I could. And I met so many people who were making six figures from their laptop. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. This is my life. I'm never going back to a nine to five. So in 2017, I got back to Canada. I refused to go back to a nine to five, but I didn't think about starting a business yet. I just thought about like, I need to get a remote job. I need to get a remote job. And this was before the pandemic. So it was a lot harder to find. Now it's a gold mine. You could just go on regular job sites and it's normal. But back then I had to really do research on where I could find these. Actually, Facebook groups were really, really helpful. And I got my first normal paying job because I did have a few ups and downs with people. Oh, we could pay you $4 an hour and stuff, which can be really good for certain countries, but not in Canada, not even in 2016. So then I got a normal paying job. It was paying $1,600 a month at the time and I loved it and I stayed there for two years and then she laid me off due to lack of work because she was actually closing her business but I learned so much from her copywriting marketing because she also had a digital marketing agency and then when I got laid off I was yeah this is a sign I have to start my own business and that happened right end of 2018 so I started the business in 2019 officially incorporated in 2020 and I haven't looked back since and I've been super lucky We scaled it to six figures within three months of revenue, gross revenue. It was really shocking, actually, that I was able to triple my full-time income. And yeah, obviously, there are ups and downs. Sometimes clients leave and the money's not consistent, but it's never really gone under six figures. I'm really fortunate. And I'm really excited to be talking to you and be in this spot now because the girl in 2016 sitting in her bed in Thailand, this was the dream. Well, that's exciting. And you make a point where today, I mean, the pandemic, if it did anything, it unleashed us and we become untethered from having to go to a nine to five in a building. And people, once we got a taste of that, we got, why do we need to go back? And productivity actually goes the other way in a positive way. So I know a lot of company executives don't want their people working remote. They want them back in the office building, but there's so many companies now that, hey, remote's the way. Our team is the same. Our remote workers are everywhere and we don't care where you are. So we have graphic designers in the Philippines. We have project managers in Australia. We had all kinds of different resources all over the globe and we don't care. And you're in Colombia. So it doesn't matter where you live and it's about building the kind of business that you want for yourself. So congratulations on that. That's exciting. Now you started down this road because you have a passion for architecture, interior design and writing. And I know you use that to get you into the real estate industry. That was a particular vertical that you started with, but your principles work for everything. When did you realize that you could combine these passions into a profitable career path? Yeah. So when I started working with the first digital marketing agency, I saw what she was doing and how she was servicing all kinds of clients. She literally had a charity in Haiti, then a, a dance company, a shoe and clothing store and all these things. So I realized how you can take the same principles and put it to all different ones. And when I got laid off, first I was in a panic. So I started applying to remote jobs. And then I was like, I'll use the remote jobs to get my business started. But one of the jobs I applied to, actually, the girl wanted help with blog posts and stuff. And then she actually ended up becoming my client. And she was working with property developers in the pre-construction industry in Toronto. And I was just having so much fun doing the blog posts and the work for her. So when I was like, yeah, I really want to start my business, I hired a business coach. And he was like, well, let's find your niche. So let's talk about your passions and this. So he actually was the one that helped me bring it out and was like, real estate is an amazing niche. It has the ROI, right, too, because if we're going to be charging two, three grand a month, we can't work with people that don't even have that money. But realtors and landlords and property developers, obviously, that's not a huge sum of money for them. And My goal is that there's ROI for the clients. I really want them to think it's an investment, not just an expense. So when they work with us, they get an ROI. So it was just a really great niche all around because I was passionate about it. I was also lucky. My grandparents came from Poland in World War II, but they made a really 
really a beautiful life for themselves. And I remember just being little and being with my great aunts and uncles and my grandparents. And they were talking about real estate and things that they had done and bought. And I just always looked up to them and admired them. So it was something that I was, oh, I want to be that too. When I'm older, I want to be talking about deals and my new properties. And so it really just all came together. That's awesome. No, I totally get it. I've always worked for myself as well. And I basically became unemployable. After university, I went, oh, I just hate being told what to do and I want to do it myself. And I thought if I'm going to earn money for you, I might as well earn it for myself. And I was fortunate enough to start that way. And once you take a bite of that, it's too hard to go back. So I totally get it. Well, let's talk about some of the social media because things have changed. So as a baby boomer, we look at social media and we go, oh, what a chore. When Facebook came out, we were all on Facebook. That was the way to do it. And then as soon as the parents start coming and the millennials, the Gen X, Gen Ys, they are sort of going, okay, I got to get off of here. And so then Instagram became the new platform and we have to hop on these things all the time to reach out, connect to our groups. And so it's a matter of what works and what doesn't. And social media is a huge component in this. So in your opinion, what's more important, posting information, blogs more often or articles or making sure every post is of high value? Is it about frequency or quality? Quality for sure, all the time. Honestly, with anything, frequency is helpful and showing up consistently is really helpful. But that consistency doesn't necessarily have to be like five times a week or seven times a week, as long as you are consistent. Obviously, we do recommend that minimum three days a week does work better. And it depends like if you're doing it yourself, you could do once a week, that's fine. But if you're paying someone and you want to see faster results with the money that you're spending, then we recommend three to five times a week. And obviously we're doing the work for you. So it makes a little more sense to do that. But if you want to just do it yourself, then at least once a week, but stay consistent so your audience understands, okay, every Wednesday I expect something from this person. And when you do that, you reduce the friction because there's so many things happening on a newsfeed, right? Millions of ads, people following. And if your audience has to remember constantly what's going on with you, it's not going to stick as well. So if they're, okay, wait, I think I saw a post from this girl on my feed, but I don't really remember because it was like two months ago. What is she seeing now? They're just going to scroll on past. But if they're like, oh, every Wednesday I'm expecting this girl, I know what she's about. It's going to be a lot easier. But then it's about quality too. If you just post something silly that makes no sense to your audience, but you're doing it every Wednesday, okay, it's kind of good because there's something, but it's not going to resonate. So the quality really, really has to be there. But quality doesn't necessarily mean the Hollywood production. Honestly, we've been finding that unedited things do so much better. Just taking a selfie when you're not at your best, you might think, oh, I look so ugly today. I'm in my pajamas. But that photo will actually get you so much more engagement because people love to be, oh, it's just a regular person. Oh, I, I could relate to this person because me too, my hair is not perfect every second of the day. Obviously, right. I do I do recommend taking headshots and getting some professional stuff going and whatever, but also mix in some regular behind the scenes things. So high value, high quality doesn't necessarily equate with a Hollywood production. You, you can point and shoot on your cell phone camera and that's great too. Obviously, the sound has to be there. We want good mics. We don't want to have, we can't hear you or there's so much noise no, in the background that, or something like that. But yeah, so a little bit of mix of consistency and quality. But if you have to pick one high value, high quality every time. Sure. Well, what would you say? And we'll come back to some of those. We'll unpack some of that. There's some good stuff in there. What are some of the benefits of using social media for growing our business and generating the leads? How effective is it? It's so effective. Honestly, that's why my whole business exists and why my clients love it. Because without social media, I don't even know if you could. It would be a really fun double blind experiment if we could do it. But I really wonder how long and how hard it would be to build a business today without social media. Because I personally know that if I find a business and I check their socials and their website and they're non-existent, I don't trust it. Automatically, I'm like, oh, I got a flyer in the mail or something, or I got a business card, or I passed by a store and I saw a sign. Now I want to see what you're about online. And if there's nothing, I'm like, oh, forget it. I don't want to have to put in extra work, especially certain businesses when it comes to appointments and stuff. 
if I'm able to book an appointment online, I'm going to use your business anytime over someone that makes me call them. <laughs> or, you right. know, I feel like people in my generation really feel that and, and the younger people too. I'm millennial. So I feel like millennials, we don't like calling. Text us, let us book online. Yeah. So yeah. And, well, and it's actually, true. And baby boomers or older are going to want to make the phone call or they'll pick up the phone. But you raise the issue. There's over 19 channels of communication that we can use. What's the best way to determine which platform? Do we need to be on them all? Or what are the must-do platforms? We're on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, the fundamentals there. That's For our work, that kind of fits. But are there, hey, I got to be on this no matter what, depending on the business? Or are there some that we should be paying attention to that maybe don't get enough attention? Yeah, so that's a really interesting point. I don't agree with needing to be on all platforms all the time. And also, if you are going to be on all platforms, you should tailor your content a little bit. So that doesn't mean you can't post the same topic, the same thing, but obviously certain posts work better. If you're doing a really businessy post on LinkedIn, that's great. Probably not going to be amazing on Instagram. You might take nuggets of that post and be, oh, if I just take this sentence and put a really nice visual, it'll be great with Instagram. But I wouldn't suggest just copy pasting everything on every platform. And the only way to know for sure is to text it. So right. whatever you personally the best, we specialize in Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn because they are the core, they are the pillars. And almost any business can do amazing on these three platforms, especially anything visual in the real estate industry. It's really visual because you're building houses. So you want to show the behind the scenes or a beautiful living room or the architecture or how you're restoring a heritage property or even any type of business. We work with a freight forwarding company that specializes in lumber. So it can be very visual when we're talking about their trucks, their fleets, their office, their team. So I think those three are always a great place to start. And that's what my agency specializes in because I do feel it helps everyone. Then there's always something new coming up. I never really liked Twitter. So I personally just, I'm a really wordy person. I clearly like to talk. So 140 characters, 228 characters. Uh, and now I'm just watching Elon Musk do his thing. And I'm all, oh, thank God, I don't have clients. Yeah, exactly. He's kind of single-handedly yeah. messed that up, hasn't he? Exactly. Um, it's just a bit scary now for clients and advertisers. So I'm just happy I didn't have skin in that game. So also just do what resonates with you. If you love video and you're really social, then TikTok's probably amazing for you. I don't, I don't actually really help my clients with TikTok because... I find TikTok is so much better when it's really personal. We do create reels and TikTok will create any video for our clients as much as they want. But it's very hard to get clients who want to put their face on camera and who want to really give that behind the scenes tour, which I totally understand because I actually hate being on camera myself. So when we do create those videos, we do a lot of stock images, stock videos, and we have facts and numbers and words and text, which can work really great on Facebook and Instagram. But I don't find that it works as well on TikTok. So it's not something that I would tell my clients, oh, you need to pay me for this when I know that the results aren't going to be as good. But if my clients want to film something and then give it to us to edit, then I'm so happy to do that for them. Be like, oh, film everything. We'll edit it. We'll put it into a beautiful reel TikTok for you and we'll post it for you. That works really well. So it depends on what your business is and what you personally resonate with. Because the more genuine you are, the more authentic you are, and the more happy you are to show up on that social media platform, the better the results are going to be. If you hate video and you're forcing yourself on video on TikTok, it's going to kind of show. But if you like Instagram and you like Facebook and you're comfortable with that, it's going to show that you're authentic and you're happy to be there. This episode is sponsored in part by Rainmaker Digital Solutions, featuring Active Campaign. Looking to drive growth with customer experience automation? Active Campaign, the number one marketing automation platform for e-commerce, B2C and B2B companies, gives you the email marketing, marketing automation, and CRM tools you need to create incredible customer experiences. Active Campaign is the platform we use to reach, nurture, convert, and grow our business, and you can use it to grow yours. 
You can see why 150,000 plus businesses like yours choose Active Campaign to help them grow and become preferred in the markets they serve. You can also start your free trial by visiting our website and clicking on the Active Campaign trial link. As a bonus, we'll also give you a digital copy of my book, Becoming Preferred, How to Outsell the Competition. And in the interest of full disclosure, I am a shareholder in the company. And now back to my conversation with Jessica Zeitz. You make a good point. So let's say you come up with content. It seems like each platform has a different level of formality to it or casualness to it. So for instance, if I had a post out, we post regularly on LinkedIn. It's designed for the business audience, the business professional. We take snippets of that when, for instance, even our podcast, and we create a 30 second, 45 second soundbite with a graphic that goes on to Instagram. And then what you're saying is that, for instance, I've been looking at this personally, just for our own business, where I'll create videos for, again, LinkedIn audience, which are going to be a little little more formal, but then on TikTok, which I've not got on TikTok other than just having some fun when you get spare moment, those can be 30 second little, or same with Instagram, I guess, where they're just little snippets, maybe more personal, a little more relaxed. Those can be the ones where you see the, you know, the superstars, they're sitting on their couch talking with their hair tussled and no makeup on. And they are fun to watch because you're seeing that character and you're going, all right, you know, Keanu Reeves, he does a good TikTok and he does. He's fun to watch. Yeah. So repurposing the content, you're coming out with the core theme, whatever that is. And then where does this fit best or how do we you know, level it up or bring it down depending on the platform. That's kind of what you're saying, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, exactly. And repurposing is the key word. Cross-posting is good sometimes, but repurposing will just, it'll make your content work harder for you too. There's no reason you can't spend an hour doing a nice podcast video and then not putting it on all platforms. You just have to repurpose it so that it works the best for you on each platform. Right. So we dredge books by their cover and that's what's going to create the interest to it. So from an organic point of view, well, and you make the point for many people, they hesitate to post more photos and videos of themselves you said because they're worried that it won't be perfect enough but you say coming across too prepared or too manicured can actually be a bad thing all right and that we should just focus on the authenticity and that seems to be the trend and that's what you're saying yeah everyone says be social on social so being social is being your authentic self and no person in the world is perfect 100% of the time. So being authentic sometimes means showing up on those days where it's not perfect and talking about that resonates with people. Oh, I just lost a big client or, or I was so late, my whole day is off. And you're filming this TikTok talking about the struggles of what it really is. And then people love that. They love seeing, oh, you know what? Maybe I could start a business too because I thought I had to be perfect all the time and I had to reach six figures in three months to be successful. But look, this girl lost her client today and she's still going. Maybe I could do it too. And that helps you get real connection. And any business, it's about solving problems. And it's about helping the human behind the screen or the product or the service. So once you can make those real human connections, then you're going to explode your business, any business. Sure. So I'm a baby boomer. And let's say I want to appeal to your generation. There's five generations of buyers in the marketplace. And let's say I want to create content for the millennial generation or the Gen X or Gen Y. Well, you know, when you're a parent and your kids are looking and they, they don't want to hear what you have to say, right? But other kids might. They might go, okay, I'll listen to that. Is it learning to talk to them at their level where they're at? Not talking down to them, but just meeting them where they're at? And is there a problem just from the audience? So for instance, let's say you're scrolling because you're in your 30s. You're scrolling through content. You see an older person, somebody in their 40s or 50s. or It depends on what we call old now. But they've got good content. Does the age actually matter on this or is it really about the relevant content? No, it's really about the relevant content. I do follow lots of people. And sometimes being older is helpful because you definitely have an air of wisdom. And I actually saw a really interesting TikTok from a psychologist recently 
it was for parenting. I don't have any kids myself, but sometimes I just get on these things. And they were saying, it's really normal that your kids as teenagers are going to rebel against you and think that you're stupid and anything you say, they're not going to listen to. It's actually wired into their brains, according to this psychologist, to do that because the point was to prevent inbreeding. And they wanted you to be like, oh, my tribe is stupid. I need to go to another tribe and start a family there. To set your kids up for success, make sure you have other adults around that are trustworthy because the kids' brains are wired to listen to the other adults. So it's not the age. It's just the fact that it's your direct family and you're not supposed to like your direct family from the age of like 14 to 21, but you are supposed to like everyone else. So the age doesn't matter because you're not my dad. So if you make a TikTok and you say something interesting, I'll probably listen to you. I'll be like, oh, I don't know this person. He hasn't yelled at me. He hasn't bothered me. So this person has good advice. I'm going to listen to that. And if the quality and the value is there, I don't think it matters what color, what age, what gender. It's just good language. Yeah, exactly. And see what's what. So it's finding the channel, who's your ideal audience, and then attracting that audience. Hmm. How do you keep up on trends and how often do you find you need to adjust your strategies to meet those trends? It's constantly being at school. And that's why I think I also thrive in this business because I do love learning and I love reading, but I actually haven't read a novel or a fiction book in so long because I just spend hours and hours and hours of my day constantly on articles and courses and the trends are crazy. If you want to be successful as a digital marketer, you have to love learning because you have to constantly be doing something. And luckily, my business could be really cheap. There's not a lot of overhead, but obviously, the more money you make, the more taxes you're going to pay if you don't have expenses. So one of my best expenses is online courses. And I'm constantly looking for really informative ways to change things up, to be on top of the latest trends. I just bought a course from Rachel Peterson. I'll shout her out. She's fantastic. And I'm really loving what she's doing. And I think I could really bring some amazing value to my clients now with her 365-day content strategy. So just, yeah, you have to be reading the news. And and stay. I have so many alerts set on my phone, on the bookmark pages, and I'm taking courses all the time to make sure I'm giving the best for my clients. And I, we're always on top. Now there's actually a new app coming out called Clapper that's going to kind of rival TikTok and a little bit Clubhouse. So I'm actually working on something there so I can try to get ahead of the curve and really take Clapper by storm since I feel I was a little bit late to TikTok. And I said, I don't love being on camera myself, but I think I might be able to do something really cool with Clapper. So yeah, there's always something new. Always got to stay on top of it. They're I always probably coming work with- like three to five hours a day on the business. And then the rest of the day is reading and, and learning. Excellent. Well, I call that stimulus response. I'll read. I read every day too. Start early in the morning and consume. And then it spurns thought. And then the thought I go, how does that apply to my market? And then there is value there. I'll go and create content for my market on that. So basically we become the hub of your marketplace. People are coming to you for the advice, the insights, the wisdom, just like we're interviewing you. You become, hey, who do we talk to rather? There's too much to learn. So we want to hire people who love to do what they want to do. And there are those who want to do it themselves. And then there are those who want to use services like what you provide in your organization, in your business. How do we know when we're ready to do that? How do we make that transition from, hey, you know what? I can't do this myself. I can't keep up with the work versus, hey, time to hire Jessica. Yeah, I think you'll know when you're ready, when you're getting really burnt out and you're tired. Also, if you have the money, right? If you really don't have the money, then you got to do it yourself or unless you really want to go into debt or take out a loan. But if you have the money, I'm such a huge proponent of spending money when it's an investment and there's an ROI and when it's convenient as well. I even have a meal service and stuff because I don't want to spend two hours a day cooking to spend five minutes eating when I want. I'd rather spend that two hours listening to a good podcast or working on the business. So if you feel, okay, I have the money or you you feel like, you know what, if I take this money and it's going to be an investment, it's going to save me time, it's going to be convenient, it's going to get me the results that I need and way faster, it's time to hire a service. Gotcha. Because that's the points you want, yeah. 
No, it makes sense. And sometimes it's that hard decision, but sometimes it can be the best decision. You get someone who loves to do what they do and you're going to be consistent because you said on the onset of this interview, consistency is the key. If you're posting Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, it needs to be same time, same station. So people become familiar with that and you're training them. So, hey, new content is coming out there. Let's talk about email. Is email dead in your mind or are there better ways or more effective ways to use it? Email is not dead. I mean, people love saying that. Even people love saying Facebook is dead. And sometimes I wish Facebook was dead because their customer <laughs> service is zero and it could be really frustrating, but they are still the biggest, the biggest platform in the world. So don't think that Facebook's dead and email too. The amount of emails I get every day is unbelievable because I constantly sign up for things and subscribe to things. And then I'm, oh, I'm just going to keep this person's email in my box so I can see what's working, take some swipe files, copy paste. We never want to reinvent the wheel either because that just takes too much time for no reason, but we never want to plagiarize either. So the sweet spot is finding something that's really good and works and then making it your own. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. Everyone will tell you to do that. So email, it works. It works really well. There's something, an 82% conversion rate overall in the global market with email right now. So if that's something you're you're interested yeah. in, we do offer email services in our business as well, because I don't think it's dead. I definitely think you have to do it right. And it depends on you know what you're doing. Personally, I have emails that are once a week, maybe twice a week. I do get annoyed when I get emails every single day, but some people swear by it. I know Russell Brunson was saying that he sends five emails a day and he gets amazing results with that. So I've been on his email list and I delete his email list a lot because I'm like, you're annoying, <laughs> but if it's working for yeah, him, he's a multi-millionaire. Can't yeah. argue with that. It depends on the value you're receiving of it. If we're looking for tips, well, then, yeah, you could do that every day, depending if it's something to help maybe with your productivity or whatever. And that's always a challenge for some people. What people don't realize sometimes is there's magic in just the impression itself. We send out tips. I've been sending out, I started back in the fax machine days, and I used to send out thousands of sales tip of the week. We just send them out to clients and via fax. And it, we always used it and it created business. It was always about referrals. Then emails came into existence. So we started to do emails and send out things email. And then uh, social media became a bit. So I was here before those platforms even arrived, right? And kind of a late adopter to some of it for sure. And I find it a chore. So you got to find someone who really loves doing this stuff. But we also use other content providers and because you're focused on it. And it's important that the message resonates. But I think what's really important is that the impression's there. So when they see in the inbox or they see the post, even if they don't read it and they see Michael Vickers becoming preferred, damage is done. It's the impression. I got in, I got a little bit of mind share for just a few split seconds. And if they read the content, great. If they don't, though, again, damage was done. So it's about that frequency and showing up so that you become top of mind when there is actually a need, right? Absolutely. And it could take years and there's nothing wrong with that. I literally was on this girl's Facebook group and email list for four years. And I have a meeting with her tonight at 530. I've never talked to her. I saw what she did and I never was, for whatever reasons, I just wasn't going to buy from her at that time. And then something changed recently. And I was like, yeah, you know what? It's time. And it was been four or five years. So don't think that your efforts are not working just because you posted three things and the next day you didn't get anything. A lot of people want really quick results or they'll give up fast or they'll say, oh, I only got 10 right. likes on my photo. So it didn't work. But that's not true because if you got 10 likes, there could still be 500 people that saw it. And out of that 500 people, there could be 50 people that are going to buy from you. Maybe not tomorrow, maybe not even next month. But just because they didn't like the photo or engage with it, of course, that's the goal. But that doesn't mean it's a waste of time or it wasn't yeah, successful. You're on the radar. Really? You're on the radar. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You're getting, you're getting mindshare. And that's what the goal is. Is there a length? So we know on Instagram photos, one or two lines, people don't want to spend too much time because they scroll through. Same thing with Twitter. We've talked about that. Same thing with TikTok. Say on LinkedIn or if you're doing on a blog service and you're posting a blog on your website, is there a perfect amount of words? I realize topic is going to be important. You know what it's titled. 
But is there the right number of words that's just a, hey, always make it at least this? For instance, on LinkedIn, we always try and keep it under 2,000 characters. But is there a right amount of words that are absolutely ideal? So there's not a hard number, but 600 words or more is good for SEO. If you do put a post, if you do have a WordPress website and you're using Yoast or Rank Math SEO, they will tell you, oh, this is under 600 words. So it's not necessarily impossible to get good results. Like you said on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, it's obviously shorter. Um, you could do a long form post on Instagram. Sometimes it does work because Instagram does allow you 2000 words per caption, which is very long. And so my sweet spot is between 600 words and no more than 2000 words. But like I said, it depends if it's something really technical or really interesting, or you have that type of audience. If you're a neurosurgeon sure. and you're writing a paper and that's your audience, then maybe 8,000, 10,000 words is fine because that's the type of thing those people like to read. But if your audience is you're just a clothing brand and you're selling to millennials, I don't think they want to read long-winded essays. But I would say 600 to 2,000 words is a sweet spot for everyone. Yeah, that makes sense. People, when they're looking at a service or using copywriters or someone like yourself, outsourcing some of that information for that consistency, they always have to determine those budgets and go, is this worth it? And they're comparing it to the ROIs. Is there a percentage of marketing budget that in your mind should go towards social media versus traditional avenues of marketing? Or does it depend on the industry? It depends on the industry because let's say you're a dentist and you really just you just focus on local clients, then social media is still super important for that. But it would make a little more sense to also want to do flyers and direct mailers and maybe take out a newspaper ad. I mean, Google Maps is your best friend. You definitely want to be on Google My Business. If you're someone like me, we cater to the whole world because we actually offer our, our services in English, French, and Spanish. And we have an office in Colombia and an office in Montreal. So for us, because we're so worldwide, we put a huge portion of all of our marketing budget is for digital and online because we want to reach customers worldwide and it just doesn't really make sense to like start calling post office and things in different countries and try to get a mailer out there and it can get really expensive the beauty of social media is it's honestly completely free to millions of dollars so it, it really depends on your budget i know people that will spend one million dollars on facebook ads per day but they're getting 20 million dollar rois on that so it makes sense for them to do it and then there's someone like me at the beginning when i started my business i didn't spend a dollar it was just my own time I created all the graphics. I wrote all the copy. I posted it. I scheduled it. And it was completely organic. It was completely free. So that's the beauty of social media. Are the content in your mind more effective than an ad itself on, for instance, of an ad on LinkedIn or an ad on Facebook, or do you still need ads to go along with the content or the posting? So content is number one and it's the most important. If you are running ads, you need content, but you don't need to run ads if you have content. So what I say is like a big circle to my clients. So if you have an ad and you're running ads and you're spending that kind of money and then someone is like, they see your ad, the first thing they're going to do is check out your website and check out your social media. So if it's blank, you're really wasting your money. What's the point on spending $10 a day, $50 a day? If they're going to be, oh, this person seems interesting. Let me see if they're active, trustworthy, credible. And then you go on a blank Instagram page or a blank Facebook page or you see a post from three years ago. So that didn't seal the deal. But if you have really good, high quality content, it's relevant, it's consistent, they can see, oh, the last post was a week ago, or the last post was yesterday, or the last post was an hour ago, you're going to seal the deal. So if you want to spend money on ads, make sure you're creating high quality, consistent content. If you don't have the money for ads, that's fine. Don't let it deter you. I built my whole business without a single ad. I did a lot of direct messaging campaigns and a lot of content. So yeah. oh, the circle. good insight, good advice there. And what's interesting is the younger generations, like the baby boomers are saving money now. They've had their houses, they've got the cars, everything they've done, and they're hoarding money. They're not the people who are shopping. The marketplace today is 40 something and below. 
just go to a mall, go look at all the different stores, look at what's being purchased. So the purchasing power is in the hands of millennials, Gen X, Gen Y. And so that's why we need to meet them where they're at. And everyone can learn this. It doesn't matter if you're in your 60s, your 70s. And, and if you don't want to be bothered, but you got a good little business going, it could be a consulting service. It could be your realtor. It could be whatever. The key is just like we're reaching out to you is to connect with people within that generation who understand the technology, know how to put the language into a form that it gets digested and then people take action on. So strongly recommend that. What about outsourcing versus doing it yourself? What do you say to someone who thinks outsourcing is just another unnecessary expense? Well, good luck to you. Because I yeah. outsource is my, my favorite thing in the world, especially now when we do have a, a global economy and it is affordable to outsource without taking advantage of people. Okay, I'm not a person that's like, oh yeah, I'm a fan of paying people one cent an hour. Absolutely not. But I personally have lived in many countries. I lived in Thailand and Vietnam and I'm here in Colombia. So I know sometimes people think, oh, you're paying someone six US dollars an hour. That's insane. You're exploiting them. But they don't understand six US dollars an hour is the equivalent of me paying you like $200 an hour. I literally have screenshots of one of my longest virtual assistants. He's based in India. I've been paying him around six, $700 Canadian per month for the past four years. And he bought a house. He bought a full house in India and he sent me a message being like, thank you so much. Like this was only possible exactly. because of you. So imagine sometimes I feel like I make less than the overseas worker. <laughs> it's like, I can't buy a house with my money right now, but they're buying houses with, with 600. So yeah. outsourcing is really accessible. Never exploit anyone. Always still pay. I always ask, okay, what's your minimum wage in your country or what's a good living wage? And I try to pay more. But yeah, I think I think outsourcing yeah. is the best way to grow. I think starting your own business by yourself and bootstrapping it, it's so respectable and commendable. And it's good to also get a handle on on what you're doing, right? It's hard to outsource something if you don't understand what it is that you're doing. So when I started making the content and the graphics of this, and I started to test what works, what didn't work, how I could improve, then I started hiring people about a year later. Now I have five part-time freelancers on my team. But it's so much easier when I know what to say to them. When I'm, okay, this is what I want. This is what I expect. This is how it works. Here's an SOP. Here's a standard operating procedure. So it just makes it nice and easy for everyone. So I think getting yeah. your hands dirty is really important. And I've worked with bosses in the past at restaurants and stuff where they had no idea what they were doing. And they'd come in and they'd tell you stupid things. And it was just so frustrating. What are you doing? I remember once there was a line out the door and I was trying to serve 90 people alone. And the owner of the restaurant just showed up randomly. And he didn't help me at all. He was just, oh, this, this, this guy needs a Coke. This guy needs this change. I'm aware of that. How about you help out in your own restaurant, you know? So I never wanted to be that type of boss. So I think getting your hands dirty and working every position possible that you can at first is a good idea. And then outsourcing it, except when it comes to taxes and accounting. Always get an accountant. That should be your first thing. Unless you're like really amazing with numbers, unless you have a CPA, don't mess around with the government. Don't mess around with your money. Don't say, oh, but my accountant's charging $300 a month. Oh, they're going to end up saving you money in the long run. So first hire accountant, then get your hands dirty with everything else, then start outsourcing. I think that's the recipe for success. Sure. Last couple of questions here for you. Let's say your business, you've decided, hey, I want to go down this road. What kinds of things should we be looking for when we want to hire a copywriter for our business? What are some just got to have this? So, so obviously we want to send them to come see you, but hey, if they don't pick you, what should they always be looking for that, hey, you need to have this, this, and this, creative email sequences, catchy product descriptions, the website needs a revamp. What are the things we should be looking for in a copywriter? Yeah, so copywriters need to understand that writing copy is it's purely for sales. So you need to understand the audience. So you, you want a copywriter that's going to ask you those type of questions like, what is your audience's pain points? 
what are their common objections? And they want to have all these things because if the copy is going to be successful, it's going to automatically start overcoming objections and talk in the language that your audience speaks in. And it's going to talk in a way that addresses their pain points because that's what's going to make people buy. And they also need to have a good understanding of a sales funnel. Whether you want to have a fancy click funnel, sales funnel, that's a different story. But there's always some type of basic sales funnel. So the copy has to work for every stage of the sales funnel. You can't be writing... So if people don't know a sales funnel, it's like the top of the funnel is people that have never heard of you in their life and they have no idea who you are and you're just creating the brand awareness. The middle of the sales funnel is someone that's been following you for quite a while. So they know who you are, but they're really not ready to buy yet. But they're thinking about it and they're doing research. And then the bottom of the funnel is, okay, I need your services yesterday. I know who you are. There's trust, there's credibility. I want to buy now. So the copy has to be different for each stage of the sales funnel for it to be successful. So if you're looking to hire a copywriter, ask them like, questions about sales funnels, and they should be asking you questions. If they ask you questions like, yeah, I'd love to help out on the project. What's your target audience? What are their biggest objections? What are the most frequently asked questions? If they're asking you that, they understand the business. They understand what copy is for. And that's a great sign. And also ask for a portfolio. It doesn't have to be extensive, but they should just have at least two or three pieces they could show you for other relevant industries. And I always am a fan of doing a paid test. So I say just something small, like, oh, write me like a 250 word thing. And I always pay for it. Please don't ask for free work. It's frustrating for freelancers, especially if they have a portfolio already. But just offering 15, 20 bucks for a 250 word thing is very fine. And I don't think anyone would have a problem with that. And if the test is what you're looking for, it's a green light. Oh, that's smart. No, that's really smart. Now, your agency, CopyFox, offers content management for blog posts. You do social media accounts and email marketing campaigns. What kind of value do each of these tools or services offer to the customer? Yeah, so the value is based on the industry, but we do a lot of real estate. So our value is really bringing, highlighting the building and the area itself. So we want potential renters and tenants and buyers to really connect with everything, the company, their values. Because a lot of people don't like landlords and they don't like property developers and they see them as this like bad guy, but it's never black and white. And so we want to bring out the fact of all the positive things. I lived in Canada for so long. And one of the reasons I left is because it's impossible to get a house right now. It's so expensive. I literally bought a condo in 2018. It went 53% in three years. I can now sell that condo for 300,000 Canadian dollars, which I find insane. Yes, of course, I'm so happy that it worked for me, but I still find it so ridiculous that a basement two-bedroom condo is selling for $300,000. And so we need property developers because the main reason is we don't have houses. So the lack of supply drives up the prices. And a lot of developers care about the neighborhood. They're not just in it to build these giant size skyscrapers and, and walk away. They want to repurpose heritage buildings. They want to make walkable communities. They want to cut down their carbon footprint. So the value we bring is showing people there's another side to the story. Nothing is black and white. Everything is gray. There are really evil CEOs and evil corporations, but they do solve problems. They sure. do, you know, so we bring that value. And then also just the value of like, what's fun? Why live here? What makes this building different? Look how in Montreal it's great because we have so many festivals, so many restaurants, so many fun yeah, things. So we love to bring that value. Yeah. yeah. So That's this translates beyond real estate though, to whatever you're applying it to. So what you're showing there is you do your research on that vertical market that whatever it is, find out all the issues and the stress points around that particular issue, and then create content with your copy. Fox will go and create content for each of those channels based on what those stresses or issues or challenges are within that particular vertical. That sums yes, up pretty I good. Awesome. What's the best way for people to find you? Yeah. So you can go on my website. It's copyfox.co. And then all my socials and everything are there. Otherwise, Facebook, Instagram, copyfox. You'll find us and you can direct message us. Email jess at copyfox.co. I'm literally addicted to social media. That's why I have my business on 24-7. Basically, if I'm not sleeping, I'm on my phone 
And one of my things is I strive to answer my clients within 10 to 15 minutes during regular business hours. So if you do send me a message, I will answer you and it will be me personally. answering. Awesome. Perfect. Well, Jess, thank you very much for being here and sharing some of the insights and from your perspective, very helpful. Lots of good stuff there that we can take and apply immediately into our networks. And I know you're a firm believer in organic growth and the tools and the services that you provide help people want to grow their business organically. It's my personal preference versus say ads. I was to give value with our information and that's what's worked for us You know, for 30 years. Just the means by which we distribute that information and get to the audience is different. But I think it's better. And with each new iteration of social platforms, it's appealing to a whole different audience. And so it segments it by the nature of the platform itself. And you've done a good job explaining that. So thanks for being our guest today and sharing some of those insights. So much fun. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. This podcast is created and associated with Summit Media. My executive producer is Beth Smith and director of research, Tori Smith. The fee for the show is that you share it with friends when you find something useful or interesting. This podcast is subject to copyright by Summit Media. Goodbye.